0: Well, today, as you just saw, parents and adults, uh, we are talking about the topic of worry. And we have all read, I'm guessing, not maybe not everybody, most of you probably know some of the effects that worry can have in a person's life. Worry can be incredibly detrimental to your health. Worry can make you lose sleep. It can make you perform poorly at your job. It can, oftentimes, if you have excessive worry that you never tend to, You can pick up incredibly destructive behaviors, things like drinking or smoking or or something even much worse than that. One psychology article I read this week was talking about how worry is directly connected to your immune system. And so that when you have excess worry that you're not dealing with in your life, quite literally, you, you can harm your health in all kinds of ways and open yourself up to viruses and sicknesses that might not have impacted you, but your immune system was weakened because of the amount of worry in your life. Quite literally, unresolved worry in your life can lower your age, (laughs) meaning you can pass earlier because you have, you have worry that you're not taken care of. What are the things you're worried about right now? Genuinely, I want you to think about that for just a moment. What's keeping you up late at night? Maybe it's something that you've shed tears over Maybe it's something that you've had controversy and conflict over in your home and that you're just stressed about and you're worried about and you're wondering, how could this move forward? I'm worried about what's going to happen today. I don't know how to move forward. I know in our household, we got a number of those things right now a number of things that we're just genuinely concerned about. And here's the reality of our moment is that there's a whole new thing called pandemic anxiety. And what that is, is that on top of all the worries that we all have in our life, everything that we got going on, on top of that, there's a pandemic, which basically serves as a, this heavy, dark blanket that just seems to exponentially multiply all the worries in your life. It's like everything's been raised in temperature 10 degrees. What are you worried about? right now. Today, as we continue through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes this shocking claim, and he's going to speak to the very human tendency to worry about the issues in our life. And what he's going to teach us is that worry actually reveals something about our faith in Jesus. This is amazing. The way you worry reveals something about your belief in the God of the Bible. It's directly connected to your faith. In that sense, our worry is actually a worship issue. Our worry is a worship issue. In a sense, you can think about worrying in your life, worrying about your future and about what's going to happen when it's uncontrolled and disconnected from your belief in God. It's kind of like a, like a cancerous tumor. It's revealing something that's wrong underneath. And, and what you got to do is you got to do some heart work and you got to actually get underneath into the heart and do a little bit of actual work on the heart and say, what's causing me? to have this kind of worry because this isn't what God's called me to. Let's read Jesus's word. Matthew chapter six, 25 to 34. I'm going to read the whole passage. So here it is. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your span of life? And why are you anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles, that's the non-believers, seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today are its own trouble." Now, the thing about preaching on the Sermon on the Mount is sometimes I feel like I don't need another sermon to explain Jesus' sermon. I kind of feel like what we need is just to let Jesus' words rest in our heart a little bit. And so what I'm going to first encourage you to do is when this whole sermon's over, I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter, 20, Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, and I want you to read that, and I want you to meditate on his words because they can hit us right now in our present moment. He begins with the word, therefore. Now, what do we know, Bible students, about the word therefore in the Bible? Whenever you see the word therefore, you got to ask, what's the therefore therefore? Therefore is a connecting word. It's taking his previous argument and now it's linking it to what he's saying right now. And Jesus says, therefore, do not be worried about, do not be anxious about today. Now, what was Jesus just speaking about in last week's message? Do you remember that? He was talking about mammon and wealth and money. And he basically said, there's two ways to establish your life. One is on the pursuit of money. One is on the pursuit of God and you can't have them both. So you pick one. You're going to be a Christian or you're going to be a person who builds your life on money. And then he says, therefore, based on that premise, don't be anxious about today. See, if money is your master, then you have a ton of reason to worry. You have every reason in the world to worry. Well, why? Because If you're trusting in money as your security and as in your insurance, uh, then that's the one thing that's going to provide all your needs for you. That's what you're hoping. And you're you're trusting that money is going to provide your food. Money is going to provide your clothing. Money is going to provide your your security, your comfort when you get older. It's going to provide all the things you need. But the problem with money is, number one, money doesn't love you back. And number two, money can be taken from you like that, as many in this church know very well. And so if your hope, if your stability is wrapped up in money, then naturally the consistent life that that should accompany with is a life filled with worry. You're going to be worried about tomorrow. You're going to be worried about where you're going to get your next money from. You're going to be worried about all these things because ultimately you need more money to provide for yourself. But if the God of the Bible, if the God of the Bible, the triune God of scripture, if he's your master, and if, if that good God is the one that you built your entire life on, well, then it's a whole different situation than the person who built their life on money. Then you've built your life on this sovereign God who knows all things and who loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you, literally to shed his blood in your place to forgive you your sins. Now, that God who loves you that much and is sovereign over all things, do you think he's going to put you in a situation that he is not going to be able to work for his glory and for your good? No, see, if you build your life on money, then there's a reason to worry. But if you build your life on God, who knows all things, then in a very logical sense, even though it needs to sink into our heart further, in a very logical sense, what are we going to worry about? A God who loves us so much that he would forgive us our sins, rebels like us, who would die on the cross for us, he's got our life in the palm of his hands and He is moving us forward. Literally, what are we going to worry about? He's building all things for our purpose in his glory. I'm reading I'm reading this book right now. It's talking about a war I never even knew about in America's history. It's called King Philip's War. It was a war between the early colonists in New England and the Native American tribes that were in the, in the land, and one of the bloodiest wars in American history. And I came to this place in this uh, story where I came across a woman named Mary Rowlandson, this Puritan woman, had a deep faith in God. And during the war, Mary was involved in a terrible massacre that took place in her small town, and she was one of the only survivors. And she was taken captive by the people who the Puritans were fighting at the time, by the particular tribe they were fighting. Now, you have to imagine at the time, to get into her mindset, this was the scariest situation possible. She had every reason to truly be worried, worried about her family, worried about all the things she could ever worry about. And I was so struck by her words, which she wrote in this book she wrote describing her circumstances. Listen to her words in what certainly would have been an incredibly scary situation. Mary writes, when all were fast about me and no eye was open, referring to when they were sleeping, no eye was open, but his, whose is ever open, referring to God's. She says, my thoughts are upon things past, upon the dispensation of the Lord towards us, upon his wonderful power, in might in carrying uh, in carrying us through so many difficulties in returning us in safety and and suffering none to hurt us oh the wonderful power of god that my eyes have seen affording matter enough for my thoughts to run in that when others are sleeping mine are weeping weeping in joy of what god has done in her life see was this woman scared of course there were, there were all these reasons to worry she literally had been taken captive And yet, where did her thoughts go? See, her thoughts have been so formed by scripture. And to read Mary Rowlandson's account, every other sentence she writes in her account of her her tribulation, every other sentence is laden with scripture verses and with promises of God reminding her of who she is and what God's doing in her life. See, that's the kind of faith I'm talking about. Even in being broken and scared, we go back to the promises of God and we filter it all through God's promises. And we truly believe in our fear that God can and is using this for his glory. Jesus says, look at the birds. Likely in that moment, you know, he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's going through and probably a bird flew right there. And he says, look, there's a bird right over there. Okay, everyone, turn your attention to the bird. See that bird picking up a worm over there? And then he turned his attention to a flower that was growing over here. He says, see that flower over there? I want you to consider that flower for just a moment. Now, this is so interesting. When he talks about the flowers, he says, look at the birds, look at the flowers. He didn't say, I want you to consider the most recent article in the headline of the New York Times. That wasn't it. He didn't say... I want you to go to that conversation you had about all the controversy taking place in your city right now. And I want you to dwell on that for just a moment because you don't fully understand all the details of it yet. And if you could just fully understand all the details of it, then, then it would work. He didn't say that. He didn't say, I want you to turn on your news and I want you to watch your local news station and and that will bring you peace. He said, no, I want you to look at a bird. What is it about birds and flowers is so interesting and important for us? See, birds and flowers have been literally doing the same thing since the the creation itself. For millennia, birds fly out of their nest, they pick up worms, and then they go back to their nest. Pretty amazing. For millennia, flowers grow in the spring, they're there in the summer, then they fade in the winter, and then they grow again in the spring. They do the same thing every time, instinctually. And if you think about birds and flowers, they've seen a lot of earth's history. They've been here through it all. They've been here through every war we've ever been in, every controversy that's ever been here, every family that's been there. The same trees have been there. The same family of birds probably have been there as well. Birds have been around for millennia doing the same thing. Pointing at the birds is interesting. You know, birds are incredible workers, what is Jesus not saying? You know, birds don't just open their mouth in the morning and open, open their beak, ah, uh, and then God comes by and drops a worm in their mouth. That's not what birds do. You ever look at a bird? They're busy all day. They wake up in the morning, they're, they're working on their nest. And when their nest gets destroyed, they don't worry about it all that much. They just get to building their next nest. They go out and they collect food. They do the crazy journey south that I still can't believe. Even when I think about it now, all those birds flying hundreds and thousands of miles south. They make the trek. And they fly back in the spring. They know how to build nests. Birds are incredible workers. In fact, some birds are even famous for storing food in their nests. <laughs> that's what, they're incredibly smart creatures, but they're not lazy. See, this is not a passage that's teaching us, look, don't worry in the sense of just don't do anything, right? You don't have to do anything. Just lay back, lay on your couch, and just let God feed you. No, that's not what it's saying. That's not scripture. Scripture says, work hard, have a plan, move forward. But it is saying there's something about these birds that we, cannot, that we have to learn from. This passage is not a prohibition about wise planning for the future. This passage is all about the condition of your heart. It's all about how you posture yourself towards the God of the universe. The point's pretty clear in verse 26. Jesus says, Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single val- hour to your span of life's- life? See, verse 26 points us to the reality that you are a child of God. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, you're a child of God. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, then the full amount of love that God could ever place in you, give towards anybody you already have because of your faith in Jesus Christ. So when you think about that first question I asked you, what are you worried about? Bring that to mind right now. I want you to have that on the front of your mind. What are the, what's the actual circumstance in your life that you are worried about right now? Do you know that God loves you? Do you know that God knows that worry? Do you know that, that, that He has a promise in your life that, that sufficient for today are today's troubles? That's how this verse ends, verse 34. Tomorrow, you, you'll have your own concerns for tomorrow. Right now, I want you to just be, be busy with the work I've given you today to do. And God says, Let me take care of tomorrow. Because you can't change it. You can't add a single hour to your life, says the scriptures. You can't add a single foot to your height, says the scriptures, but today I want you to do good with what you have. what's at the root of our worry and concern? Anxiety is rooted in a need for control, and this is where our theology mixes with our actual real life what we what we do with our life at the at the center of worrying is this idea that I've got to be in control about what tomorrow brings. That's the person who built their life on mammon. They're they're trying to be in control and earn this money to take care of themselves. But when we worry, we're doing the same thing. We're trying to bring control into our life. Verse 30, Jesus says, If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. See, it's a faith issue. And what is faith? Hebrews chapter 11 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. See, when you worry, you're exemplifying a lack of faith. It's one thing to say, I've made God the master of my life and that I'm trusting in him for all things. It's a whole nother thing to exercise that conviction when the going gets rough. And when God puts obstacles in your life that are incredibly challenging, that are going to stretch and test your faith. See, worry is an expression that you are out of control in a particular area that you would like to be in control of. But wait a second, Christian, you gave up control of your life when you became a Christian. You placed that control in God's hands already. See, if worry is an expression that you want to be in control, then that's a lack of faith because we've already given full control to the God of the universe. And can I tell you, his hands are way better for your life to be in than your own. You don't want control of your own life. You are a sinner who will mess this thing up. But if it's in the hands of a loving, sovereign God who knows you, loves you, and has a plan for your life, that's good hands for your life to be in. Worry is trying to take control back. See, we need to be reminded of God's sovereignty, that all things are under his control. We need to be reminded that God is sovereign over COVID-19. He is sovereign. This will last not one second longer than he predetermined it to last. We need to be reminded that he is sovereign over when your children's schools will reopen and how they will reopen. Is that what you're worried about? He's sovereign over it. He's got a plan. We need to be reminded that he is sovereign over every sickness, He is sovereign over depression. He is sovereign over loneliness, over anxiety attacks. He is sovereign over death. He is sovereign over who will win the presidency in November. He is sovereign over your job, how long you have your job and where your next paycheck comes from. He is sovereign over your weakness, over your failures and over your inadequacies. He is sovereign over every aspect of your life, over every aspect of this city. He is sovereign over every broken aspect that you worry could it ever be fixed. Don't worry, it will be fixed. (laughs) We've read Revelation. See, when you understand the sovereignty of God and you begin to apply it into the actual real world circumstances that you're going through, you suddenly realize that your life is not out of control. God's got you in the circumstance he's got you in because he has a plan. He's working all things together for your good and for his glory. And what he's asking of you right now is faith, that he's as good as he says he is. And that you don't need to rip control back from God and force something through. But what he's looking for is for you to fall on your knees before a holy God and say, God, I don't have control and I'm hungry for control, but I give it over to you and I trust you in the midst of this. When we're worrying, we say, we're saying, I don't believe that God is who he says he is. And one commentator calls it practical atheism. It's living as an atheist who is trying to build their life on mammon, trying to control all things. You know, another theme that comes up here in verse 26 and verse 32, very importantly, is the term heavenly father. Did you see that? You could almost miss it reading this passage. But two times as he's talking about worry, Jesus refers to God as heavenly father. You know, when we think about God as Heavenly Father and you think about us as his children, I think of my kids. I hope my kids are not up late at night worrying about how dad's going to pay the mortgage. There's something, I just don't need them worrying about it. I got it. I'm going to take care of it, right? I'm trusting God. I'm going to work every day. Those are things my kids don't need to be worried about. I don't need them staying up late and worrying about that. I want them to be children, to do what I've given them to do, to be children in their space, I don't need them worrying about whether or not there's enough air pressure in the tires. That's a dad issue. Dad's going to take care of that one. I need my kids to be kids and to trust that dad's going to be dad. Today's worries are enough for today. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. See, God's got tomorrow. He's got it all sorted out already. It's all going to work together for your good and for his glory. And your good might be very different than the script you would write for yourself. But I'm certain of this, that one day, many years from now, just like I said to the kids, maybe when you're 20, maybe when you're 30, maybe when you're 70, and maybe when you're in heaven, you're going to look back and you're going to look back on this day in all the worry that you had. And you're going to say, it worked out exactly as it needed to work out. He was good. His promise was true. Park, rather than worrying this season, I want you to be like Mary Rowlandson, who, though she had every reason to worry, turned her moment of fear into an opportunity to express faith. Remember, all concern is not bad. There's time to be concerned. Paul expressed that throughout the New Testament. Galatians chapter four, he was concerned for the Galatian church. He says, I'm in the pain of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. There is a good godly concern to have, but but concern detached from knowing God's sovereignty over all things is worry. And Jesus says, don't do that. Godly prayer-filled concern and a consistent worry detached from the promises of Christ are two very different things. One is fueled by faith. The other is completely detached from faith. So what do we do instead? Well, Jesus gives us the command, Matthew chapter six, verse 33. He says, look, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. This is our application. Here's what God wants you to do. You seek first the kingdom of God. You, you, you put your attention, your energy into knowing God, into maximizing your love and knowledge of God, into posturing your life so that you're learning to know about Christ and his crucifixion for you and learning how to worship him and know him and walk by him and hear his voice when he speaks to you because he gave you his Holy Spirit. That's what he wants. He wants you to just be quiet with him for a while and know that he's going to walk with you through it all. He walks with you even through the valley of the shadow of death right? Every moment. And what he wants from you more than anything is that Christ would be formed in you, that you would know the hope to which you've been called to and hear his sweet, precious voice in the midst of the fire saying, I'm in it with you. Just look over. I'm right here. I haven't let go of you the whole time. You don't know what tomorrow will bring and that's okay. Your heavenly father wants you to trust that he will work it all out in a way that one day you will look back and you will say, Certainly, all things work together for my good and for his glory. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you and we worship you. And God, we truly need to be reminded of this passage today because we all exercise a lack of faith by bringing a whole lot of worry into our faith, into our, into the, our life with us. And so, Jesus, would you bring about conviction, Holy Spirit? I'm just thinking of. A lot of people in our church right now who are listening to this, hearing this, who need to have their worries just calmed by the God who says, I know you and love you. And so right now, would you do a work, even those watching over video, Holy Spirit, would you work in their homes and bring about a peace that surpasses understanding, a peace that makes non-believers look in on their life and say, I don't understand how your worry was taken away. And we would give all the glory to Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' holy name.